Welcome to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. I'm Kevin Prang. This program is a presentation of Metropolitan Congregations United. MCU is a community organization that brings together religious congregations, community groups, and individuals to work for a common purpose to create a better life for all residents of the region. Today, our guest is Emmalyn Giles. Emmalyn is the environmental justice organizer for MCU. And today we're gonna be talking about environmental justice, how that impacts the St. Louis area and what MCU and local congregations can do. Emmalyn, how are you doing? Are you staying safe? Yes, I'm doing well and um, fortunately staying safe. Um, you know, uh, this is a weird time for all of us, um, but I'm, I'm really fortunate and privileged to be doing the work that I'm doing. Great, how is, how is kind of this staying uh, separate affected, you know, being in a social justice organization that sort of depends on connections? What are you doing to, to stay connected? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, you know, I think it also goes into how I, I'm a new um, organizer in the organization as well. So it's a lot of learning and um, it's been a lot of transitioning into first understanding, you know, how does MCU do their organizing and how am I going to be doing it um, in my own way, but also how am I now going to be doing that digitally? What is digital organizing look like? Um, so while meanwhile, you know, of course, all of us are dealing with the emotional um, impacts of what's going on today. So it's it's been interesting, but I, I think I've been, I feel very fortunate that I, a lot of the conversations I've been having and, and the feedback I've been getting has, it seems like it it hasn't really been negative in terms of, you know, the pandemic and, and the concerns over it. it's actually increased, I think, the amount of connection, um, though the conversations are a little different and it, it but it's, I think, helped um, because a lot of my phone calls are, are really just checking in on people um, and seeing how they're doing and trying to connect people to resources. And, um, uh, you know, because this is so relational, um, I think this is a time in social distancing that people, we all are needing to connect, um, whether it's over Zoom or phone calls or, or whatever it is. Um, they're really, we instinctually are um, by nature social beings. So um, I haven't really seen a detriment in that area. Okay, good. So let's talk about um, what you're here for, environmental justice. It's kind of a new term for some people. What does it encompass? And obviously this is more than just recycling cans here. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, to me, essentially environmental justice or EJ for short um, is, a, is really a movement and it's led by people of color. Um, and it really demands that environmental racism be dismantled that all have all people have the opportunity to live a safe and healthy life um, and the voices that uh, of the most oppressed are heard and equitably addressed by decision makers um, i think you know in the word itself environmental and the two words in the phrase that ej is different from environmentalism i think that's very important um, 
I think for, for many, many decades, environmentalism has been known more mainstream. Um, and it didn't, it doesn't really encapsulate the justice part of environmental justice, right? It's justice is the part piece of that it's led by people of color who are most impacted. And um, it also addresses all of their forms of injustices like racism, white supremacy, patriarchy, etc. cetera. Um, so I think environmental justice is very unique. Um, and what is vital about it is that, you know, you think about it, the environment is all around us. It's um, everywhere we look, what we breathe, how we eat, or what we eat, um, how we interact with our world. Um, but it's not all equitable, of course. Um, you know, everything we do has an impact on our environment, whether it's immediately in our um, local community or global. Although the way in which the environment is impacted is more often unsustainable and inequitable. So it, it gives sort of the idea that the way we interact with the environment is, is different depending on who you are, where you live, and, and what other forms of, of oppression are sort of in place. Can you expand on that a little bit more and maybe give some examples? Yeah, I mean, so of course EJ is an umbrella term um, to me. Um, and it encapsulates anything from uh, food access, food injustice, to energy injustice. So, um, you know, the right energy injustice, for example, is the right to an equitable access of heating in the winter months, um, or the right to clean tap water from lead toxicity. Um, you know, a nationally known example of that is Flint, Michigan. So I think it really has to do with like like you said, the oppressions layered on top of that, depending on what community you're living in, um, it's geographical. Um, you know, if you're living in a community that um, is in the county of St. Louis, you know, you have a different um, property value, you have um, different resources in your schools, and you're probably get, not going to have a refinery by you. Um, or um, a landfill next to you. And those are all um, examples of environmental justice issues. Are there any other specific St. Louis issues that you've seen um, since you've been on board here? Yeah, uh, there are many, uh, but some examples um, in, in St. Louis span across the board and, and um, anything from, uh, we have a, actually, I, feel, I still think it's interesting that many people don't, are not aware of this, but um, in the county, there's actually um, a nuclear waste site, um, the Westlake landfill, and that nuclear waste has been seeping into the groundwater um, and then into the Missouri River for d decades um, as it sits in the floodplains. So this, of course, has directly impacted adjacent communities, even down the river. Um, so, and then another, um, another example I could share is, um, you know, of course, a lot of folks know there are high rates of asthma, especially in certain communities, right? Um, because we have rampant air pollution. Um, and that's due to many different reasons. Of course, uh, St. Uh, Louis and the state of Missouri is as a coal burning um, industry state. So that in and of itself causes a lot of air pollution. Um, but there's a, a particular example um, that is, you know, a big issue currently um, in South City. There's a landfill along the Mississippi River, which is now um, 
starting to burn pelletized trash uh, to produce energy. Um, but at the same time as burning this, it's releasing toxins in the air, which is directly impacting the communities adjacent to that landfill. Can you talk about how these, how the environment or, or the injustice in the environment becomes sort of a multiplier when, when combined with other injustices? So one of the things that pops to my head is, is education and, and lead poisoning and education just sort of compounds everything. Are there any other examples like that? Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, I think, I think that is actually a really good example. I think if you want to go into that too, because it, it leads to many other things, but um, you know, we're talking about um, lead poisoning that exists within um, a lot of our buildings are older. We have a lot of lead still exists in a lot of our paint um, and children who have access to that. Of course, if people I'm sure very much know that, um, Kids like to eat sweet things, and lead in paint tend to be, tends to be sweet. And, and then ingesting lead on any level, I think before back in the day, we considered you know certain levels to be safe. That's not the consensus nowadays. It's no level is safe for consumption, and um, it really impacts neurological development of children. So that goes into the education piece that you're bringing up, right? We also have lead toxicity in schools that's not really being uh, grappled with, I think, to the degree it should be. Um, for example, there are old pipings for water fountains um, in certain schools, old infrastructure, going back to like energy efficiency, right? Old infrastructure, piping, um, that actually seeps lead into drinking water. Um, so that's another example. Um, and, and I think, what what really is poignant um, is that there is actually an environmental racism report that was released last fall um, for the city of St. Louis, and it, it it stated specifically that Black St. Louises are disproportionately harmed um, by lead poisoning, like we're speaking of um, asthma, um, mold, um, and high energy costs. And we can go into, for example, mold. Um, when we're talking about other social justice issues, let's talk about housing justice issues where, you're ha where we have a huge issue in St. Louis of slumlords um, and not addressing mold issues and um, which, you know, your, your um, landlords are responsible for if you're a renter. Um, and that mold is impacting asthma, it's impacting allergies, um, health, um, long term. Um, so that's coupled with other environmental justice issues, of course, as well. Um, and we're talking about substandard housing conditions. Um, so those are just some other examples. And I guess the way it sort of compounds too is then if you're a child and you're sick because of asthma or other health issues, you're not getting to school, you're not having those days in school or studying becomes more difficult and it just sort of layers on top of what's already pressing down on that child and that family. And it, it almost becomes impossible to escape out from under it then. Exactly, and then you can add in, so like I said, you know, environmental justice is a lot of things. So add on top of that um, food insecurity, access to food, um, maybe you have a corner market, but how expensive are, if there is any fresh produce, how expensive is that, talking about access? and not to mention culturally relevant food, you know, um, and, and 
is their knowledge around how to cook that food or the tools to cook that food if it's if you do have access to that food um, and that goes into the economic um, poverty you know issues um, so yeah you could keep layering that so you you talked about the food insecurity and and right now with schools closed that's at least one meal a day that that kids were getting um, through yeah. school are there any other ways that our current situation with the COVID-19 pandemic sort of relates to this or is, or is this sort of the, the big one that it, it's, it's compounding that food insecurity right now? Oh, so many ways. Yeah, no, the, the food is definitely a big issue. I mean, just uh, last week, um, I believe the St. Louis um, public school system was uh, also delivering meals um, and two of their bus drivers passed because of COVID. So they put on hold all of their meal delivery services. And, and I think what I'm learning is that meals is the biggest need in the moment in addition to testing sites, especially in North County. Like at this point, I think there might be three, but it's taken how many weeks to get at least three in North County? Um, so talking about, you know, inadequate health services and access to that, um, Black St. Louis's are, you know, the, the least resourced in those areas. And it's going back into that compounded um, issues that we're talking about. It's very much related to environmental justice. Okay. So MCU has been engaged in, or hasn't been engaged in environmental issues specifically in the past. Why has this become important now for MCU? Yeah, well, I think I would, I, I would actually say MCU has been engaged with environmental justice issues in the past. However, it just didn't have the name of environmental justice issues. You know, like I was, we were talking about before, um, you know, it's not a clear line. I mean, when we're talking about housing issues, that is, there are essentially environmental justice issues in housing when you're talking about adequate housing without, um, that's habitable, you know, that's healthy, that's, there's no mold, um, there's no pests, um, things of that nature. So uh, I th definitely think that MCU has been engaging in that way, though the term environmental justice is, is definitely becoming more acknowledged and understood in this um, bigger social justice work. Um, I think that you know other other cities around the the U.S. also are are you know using environmental justice as well and and understanding how important it is to be talking about it because it's all connected. Um, and so I think St. St. Louis as a region is. Um, organizations and organizers like MCU are starting to catch on and really understand the importance of using that. I also want to add, you know, as I mentioned earlier, there is the environmental racism report. I think um, that was a huge catalyst in bringing more of this conversation to the forefront. You know, it 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 wasn't the, it was a, not the first of the many reports that St. Louis has um, conducted and published. But I think it was a complement to like the equity um, indicators report, for example, um, and the reports before that. This has a strictly environmental racism lens, though, building upon all of those other equity um, issues. 
And so I think from there, uh, I want to also add that MCU, um, I think, is also coming to the forefront in this work because uh, last fall also there was a Green the Church conference. And that conference brought together many different partners and clergy leaders from around the region to have this discussion, to talk about what does it mean to talk about environmental justice and what is the role of congregations in this work. Um, and I, I think that was a big catalyst as well. Okay. So who is MCU reaching out to specifically? Do you, what, what's kind of the plan for outreach? Yeah, so currently um, we're focusing on working with uh, people of color, clergy leaders, of course, um, as I mentioned, the definition, you know, to me around environmental justice is really led by people of color who are impacted the most um, by environmental racism. And, um, and because of the context of St. Louis, uh, those communities are, are specifically, um, you know, structured by design in North St. Louis most of the time. Um, and so working with clergy leaders in those in North St. Louis really to build, first build a base of local congregation leaders. So I'm, I'm right now working on building relationships, you know, in the context of COVID-19 too, um, and really trying to stimulate um, faith-based dialogue really around the impacts of environmental racism um, with the hopes of spearheading a, a local environmental justice movement, honestly. Usually, I mean, religious leaders um, aren't traditionally thought of as a, as a venue for environmental issues. Um, that's sort of been a something in our society that's sort of been a part. Um, um, it, it, are you finding you're having different conversations because you're reaching first to to ministers and, and trying to get their converse, trying to get their congregations involved, which do they see it as, yes, we need to be involved in this, or is it an education process for, for those folks? Yeah, good question. It's definitely an education process. Um, and I think the whole, it's an education process for the whole region. Um, I, I have definitely some context because, um, you know, other, I, I worked in the Bay Area, for example, for a while around environmental justice. It was the first time I learned of that, and people were already working in that. Coming here to St. Louis, it, it wasn't, it's not a term that people are, are using, um, more now so, but um, it's definitely an education process because what we've known around environmental issues has been environmentalism, um, which really has been a white-led kind of academic or, or not just academic, but like movement in that sense that doesn't capture justice issues that is not led by people of color, that does not, does not consider environmental issues to be mold in your house, for example, or food injustice, or lead toxicity in your soil. Um, and we're, this environmental justice provides that different lens to really see that when we're talking about environment, all of it is environment. You know, our living environment, our lived experiences, not just going out to the river and the, and the forest, that's not, the only environment that exists. Yeah, it, it seems like we're, we're trying to take the conversation from environmentalism is this big picture, global, like you said, the forests and oceans and, and it's big. And conservation. Right. You know. and, and bring it down to how is this affecting you in your daily life? That, that seems to be 
where where the education is sort of taking place is is look around you and see what you're saying seeing in your daily life and how it's affecting you exactly yeah definitely and it also sounds like we're we're sort of moving the conversation from um i i think a lot of the racism the oppression the poverty forces people to survive and what environment environmental justice is, is looking for is looking for that position where people thrive and not just survive where exactly. it, 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 it's more than just getting by it's about being that whole whole and healthy person yeah definitely um how do, how do you how does to take it back out um are, are, are we seeing impacts of, of climate change in in our very specific local communities? Yeah, I would definitely say so. Just in terms of you know, in the in the summers, how our our summer heats and our how long our summers are lasting, for example, or in the winters, the the changes in our um, temperatures, extremes, and all of that. It's you know. Missouri is also a farming state, so how that impacts our own like local food supply is definitely impacted. But um, on the local level, you know how that impacts the um, seasonal allergies. You know that's one big big thing that um, how long that that season lasts and how that exacerbates people um, who have asthma already in, in the communities that we're talking about. Um, and then we're exacerbating that because they don't have resources to adequate health services. Um, it's all connected in that sense. Okay. So what are some of the specific issues that, that MCU wants to tackle in, in the weeks and months ahead? Yeah, so we were just talking about how, you know, um, environmental justice it, it, it means many things um, and it can be complicated and then there's an education process. Um, and I think, at least in my experience too, it, it's, it's definitely, it can, be, it can do a lot of things. It can um, take hope away if you're coming at people and saying, look at all of the environmental injustices you're dealing with. It's overwhelming to, if, if this hasn't been a conversation before where you're, trying to survive, like you're saying, right? I'm just trying to get food on the table daily. Uh, how am I gonna even be talking or thinking about, you know, the air pollution, I have no control or all of these things, right? Um, so it's, it's really trying to start the conversation and meeting folks where they're at um, and, and it being accessible. So one of the ways we've strategized and how it's also been done elsewhere um, effectively is, is really starting the conversation around energy efficiency. Um, you know, a big thread throughout a lot of this work is um, the people who are most impacted are, are struggling the most with poverty and just trying to get by. And so through energy efficiency initiatives or little projects, you know, whether it's in your congregation or in your homes can really help at the end of the day or at the end of the year through your annual utilities utility bills. Um, and, you know, as we, I was mentioning before, we're talking about um, a lot of these communities have really old infrastructure. Um, um, you know, 
they are having maybe uh, old inadequate heating and cooling systems or light fixtures, um, maybe no insulation sometimes. So a lot of heat in the winter is lost and you're paying um, and using twice as much energy that you shouldn't have to be. Um, and, and, and there are statistics that really show that our low income households actually do pay more for energy than average households because of all of these issues. Um, and that includes our congregations. Um, a lot of times their buildings are, um, and their systems are old and inefficient um, and they need repairs. Um, and it typically results in a lot of these um, congregations and households paying more than others for using the same amount of electricity, for example. So, and then going back to, you know, climate change, we were talking about the impacts on that, um, you know, with the increasing variability of our weather extremes, we're also seeing residents burdened by higher energy costs because of that. Um, with, like I said, the lo longer summers, the longer winters, um, we're having many times people are choosing between paying rent or, or food on the table as opposed to paying their, their um, heating bill. And I personally know many people who are having to go without their heating bill during the winter. Okay, excellent. And real quickly, if uh, a congregation wants to get more involved, they want to learn more, or they're ready to get active, what can they do? Yeah, I would say my my first recommendation is definitely access that. Uh, it's a free, accessible, um, the Environmental Racism Report that was released last fall. I think that is definitely a, a good resource to understanding the context and the specific issues um, that we're dealing with in the region. Um, and then I would also recommend, um, you know, looking into the Green the Church Conference uh, YouTube recorded panel discussions. I think that those are really helpful um, conversations to learn. And then um, to get active, uh, please reach out to me if you, if you definitely wanna learn more, have this conversation with me, get to know one another um, and how we could work together um, potentially. Um, and I also know many other organizers and people doing this work in the region. So um, if I'm not the first person that um, can, you know, directly help you, I, I definitely have a lot of other information and connections that I can, we can work with. But um, definitely working, like I said, with building a base and, and um, eventually uh, building up some action. So um, if you stay in contact with me, there's gonna be many opportunities to, to plug in. All right, great. Emmalyn, thank you very much. Um, Emmalyn Giles is the environmental justice organizer at MCU. To learn more about MCU, go to Metropolitan Congregations United website at mcustlewis.org. We'll have more information. Uh, so you can learn more about environmental justice there. Also be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and other outlets for news and events. If you want to participate with us, please join us um, at one of these events, and you can find details on our website and social media outlet, outlets. I'm Kevin Prang, and you have been listening to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. Tune in again next time, and we thank you for listening.